You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. A six-game homestand wrapped up on Sunday in disappointing fashion, dropping four of six games to the Indians and Twins after the White Sox enter the homestand with four consecutive wins on the road. Welcome to MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox. Matt Wehmeyer joined by White Sox reporter Scott Birkin. Scott, a pleasure as always on this Monday afternoon, and we've used the term uh, consistently inconsistent all season to describe this White Sox team. And I hate to single out Chris Sale because he's been so good all year, but he was hung with two of the team's four losses on the six-game homestand at a time when they really needed him to step up and be the ace he's always been. That did not quite uh, pan out this last week or so. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of strange. They've lost uh, four straight, at the time of the statement, they've lost four straight starts from Sale. Now, of course, one of those starts they lost to Boston 2 nothing when both Chris Sale and Rip Porcello threw seven scoreless innings, and I think Sale struck out 10 and gave two hits. So, obviously, it's not all... As we all know, wins and losses are a little overrated in terms of starting pitching. But excuse me, the biggest thing is, you know, he just—it's been a weird season for him against the Twins. The Twins have just had his numbers. You know, one—I think one and four record with a seven-three-six ERA over six starts. I looked it up. The only other time in his career that he's had something like that, he was zero and four a couple of years ago in four starts against the Indians. The year the Indians beat the Sox, almost. Every game, I think they were 17 and 2, they finished up, and that was mainly the reason they got into the playoffs. They got the wild card. He was 0 and 4 with like an 8 ERA that year. So, otherwise, you know, because, you know, when you're playing these teams as many times as they do, you're going to get four or five matchups for some starters against the Twins or against the Tigers or against the Royals or against the Indians. And Chris has been, you know, obviously one of the best pitchers in baseball. And for some reason this year, after being pretty successful against the Twins overall, it just has not happened, and they've hit him hard. You know, I mean, it's. It's not just a couple, you know, huge shots falling in. I, I will say a couple runs he gave up later in the game came after Emmy slipped on a Miguel Sano line drive to center. But still, the first four in the first inning were all hard hit balls. And Tyler Flowers said they, you know, the catcher of the White Sox said they've looked at tape to see if he's tipping anything. But Tory Hunter kind of laughed and said, no, it's just kind of a mental state right now that they, you know, feel like they can hit him. And it, it very well may change next year when they face him. But. You know, Chris has struggled against the Twins this year. It's just such an odd thing because his track record speaks for itself. But again, against uh, the Minnesota Twins, he just can never seem to find himself. Uh, in, in talking to Chris Sale, does he or does any athlete ever admit that, you know what, this this particular team or this particular player is in my head a little bit and and they, they kind of psych themselves out when they know they're going up against a team that they've struggled with in the past. Is that the case at all with with Sale or is it something else? I think some athletes will say that, but Chris is not like that. Chris just kind of Chris is just so good at what he does, and you know, like I said before, he reminds me of Mark Burley with better stuff, and I think Mark would be the first one to agree with that comment, and Chris would be the second one. In that, he's just you know very quick worker, very laid back. He trusts Tyler Flowers and Don Cooper and Robin, and you know the game plan they put together, and just follows it. And you know, I don't think maybe after the season he'll say that it got a little bit you know in his head, but I don't think that's the case. I just think it's been a rough spot from there. And the, the sad thing for Chris, I think, is that you know, his numbers are so overwhelming. He's got 250 strikeouts this year. I believe it's just the fifth time in White Sox history and the first time in like 100 years that a pitcher has struck out 250. The first four belong to Ed Walsh, by the way, who was way back when set all these records. And uh, Chris has got the next two. But, you know, I think probably this rough stretch against the Twins is going to end up costing him Cy Young support. You know, his ERA is now up in the three five, three six areas, where if you compare it to other worthy candidates like Dallas Keuchel and Sonny Gray, who the Sox are, you know, facing tonight with Oakland, or the night, you know, Monday night against Oakland, um, you know, it's 
it, it kind of falls a little bit. So, yeah, this, this little bit of a slumping, this unexplainable slump against the Twins. I mean, it is explained that the Twins are a good team. And, they, you know, like many other teams, they try to jump on Chris early because they don't want to get that slider or change up late in the count and strike out. But it's just been every time he's been out there this year, except the first start, it's just been all, all Twins. Yeah, it's and really stunning. Again, you know, like we said, he's had three starts in his career of three innings. Uh, two of those have come against the Twins this season. The third start of three innings was a was a rain delay, so that really you kind of throw that one out. He just didn't come right. out for the fourth inning after a lengthy delay. So it was two shortest starts of his career, both this season against the Minnesota Twins. Is something really stunning indeed. Uh, on the other side of the coin, uh, Sales' abbreviated outing on Sunday did mean. Some extended time on the mound for Frankie Montes, the very highly touted prospect. Uh, kind of a mixed bag for him. Three walks, uh, four hits, and three innings, but gave up just the one run. And he did strike out five. Just kind of give us your observations of uh, his performance overall on Sunday in relief of sale. He's a very good effort. He pitched out of two bases on the jams. Now, like you said, as you pointed out, the caveats that is he created the pieces on the jams. You know, the second one, he walked a couple guys. Well, he's got overpowering stuff, and you know, I was talking to the White Sox pitching coach, Don Cooper, on Sunday, and he basically said with his command already of the fastball and the slider, assuming he continues to consistently throw them for strikes, you know, he already has kind of said he could be a major league reliever and probably an elite one you know, near the end of the game because he does. He has it 100 miles an hour this year, and he consistently is in the 97 to 99 range there. So, yeah, I think it's good for him. I really think you're going to see him get some sort of start, maybe like an abbreviated start, maybe a bullpen-type day. In Detroit, you know, they have four games coming. They have the 11 game road trip coming up before the last six games at home after these four in Chicago against Oakland. And the four against Detroit is a doubleheader on that Monday with a makeup game from a rainout earlier this season. And then Tuesday and Wednesday games followed by four in New York, which is all preceded by three in Cleveland. So I think, you know, you'll see the regular starters go in Cleveland. I think you'll see a little rearrangement in that Detroit series. And one of the, one of the games could be Matis, you know, getting a three- or four-inning start, kind of like what they did with Hector Noessi a couple of years ago when they first brought him in and built him in. But, yeah, I think they're rightfully so very high in with that. That's a trade to look back on, and granted things didn't go exactly or not even close to exactly what the White Sox wanted this year, but that trade that sent J.T. to Boston and uh, Glacius to Detroit and obviously Garcia and Frankie Montes and uh, a couple other prospects, Gleolis uh, Rondon and J.B. Wendelkin to the Sox, it turned out to be a pretty good deal, you know, overall. I mean, Jake TV won a World Series. Iglesias is the Tiger shortstop. You know, Garcia's had a, a, a decent year for his first full year, and Montes could be the steal of that trade and really, you know, really help them out, if not as a starter, as some sort of late-inning late bridge guy. Yeah, I guess you could grade that a win-win-win with the three-team right, deal exactly. Exactly. <laughs> back, in, uh, back in 2013. Do you see his future as a reliever or as a starter? Most people that I've talked to, scouts, people in the organization right now, even though he has been a starter almost exclusively in the White Sox organization, see him as a reliever. I think just because I was saying he's he's basically got two pitches and he's still working on that slider. The slider is not quite there, although by his own admission, by his own you know praise, saying it was it's much better than what he felt like he had in spring training. So I would say more right now reliever, and it may just be a reliever. I mean, he could someday, now they have Robertson locked up for three more years after this year, and he's had a very nice year for the White Sox, but if the White Sox really, really get creative and try and move them, you have some options in the back end of that bullpen, you know, along with a guy like Nate Jones, who's pitched pretty well since coming back from his year-long rehab. Another guy, Nate Jones, who started in the minors as a starter and now has kind of thrived at the back end of the bullpen. So I would say right now, Montes, you know, if he, if he starts next year in the minors, probably a starter again, you know, at Charlotte. But if he starts at the White Sox, I would say that as a reliever. 
So Montes, a young, highly touted pitcher, cut from the same cloth like Carlos Rodon, and he's approaching his innings limit now. As a result, uh, his turn is going to be skipped in the rotation on Monday uh, as the White Sox take on the A's and they face Sonny Gray. I want to get your take, though. I'm kind of curious as to why the decision to skip him now as opposed to just running him out there every fifth day until he reaches that in- innings limit. Well, you know, they really haven't said. Uh, we've all kind of guessed at 150, 160. He is over right now his highest innings total for any season, counting college, minor leagues, pros. If you don't count, you know, the innings he threw that same summer when he when he had the highest total at NC State, I think it was his sophomore year for Team USA. So he's at his highest mark right now, and I think they're just being careful. With him. Let's be honest, barring a you know a true baseball miracle at this point, and, and I say that because of the fact that the Sox have really not put together a huge run this year aside from that seven-game winning streak before the trade deadline. The Sox are not going to be in the postseason. So, you know, and it's pretty pretty much a certainty at this point. Their magic number is at four, elimination number is at 14. So there's no reason to keep forcing it. So I think they want him to pitch, you know, maybe pitch in New York, make another start at home. So they've done this a couple of times. They did this with Sale the first year he became a starter. You know, they're, they're spacing out a little bit. So this avoids the shutdown but gives him a little bit of break in between to kind of work on things, relax, and not tax him too much. So it's it's kind of the plan they followed since I've covered them, and it, it seems that with younger starters, it seems to work pretty well for them so far. I know that uh, not just the White Sox, but every team in baseball is is so uh, they're so careful with their young pitchers and not to exceed certain innings limits. But do you feel to at least some degree? that we're getting a little overly paranoid about if a guy, you know, say they set the limit at 150, 155, like you said for Rodon, if he hits 160, 165, is that really the worst thing in the world, or are we just at a point now where nobody wants to be second-guessed in case somebody does get hurt? Well, I think it's, you know, this is their livelihood. You know, you go back to, like, the Strasburg thing in Washington when he was shut down for the playoffs, right, if I remember right. And and Mike Rizzo has said a couple times, you know, it's it's, you know, they're the player first, they're thinking of the player first, and that really proved the case because with Strasburg going, they had a pretty good chance that year to you know for advancement, and he was not there. And I think it goes back right again to the fact that they're they're you know pretty much out of contention, and it was, it was the same reason they didn't call Rodon up in September last year. If for some reason that team that was kind of in a rebuilding mode last year still had made this huge run and it was in contention in September, I think you would have seen Rodon pitch out of the bullpen because he was as good as anyone they had from the left side you know, in 2014. But they weren't in contention, so there was no reason, A, to kind of rush his, you know, to start his major league time, but more importantly, no reason to rush him when he was just drafted that year and give him a little bit of a break. I think it's the same thing this year. They've liked what they've seen from him. He's had a great second half. He's worked well with Tyler Flowers. You know, he's he's really kind of developed his slider. You know, he, he's throwing more strikes. He's attacking his own. That allows him to throw different types of sliders in different parts of the count and really, you know, put away these hitters. But I see what you're saying. You know, I don't know if 165 innings, having not been a pitcher since, you know, I was 9 or 10, I don't know if 165 is any different from 155 for a pitcher at this time of year when you're not pitching for a contending team. But I think the philosophy is this is a top-of-the-rotation guy. This is a great one-two punch with Dale. So why force it when you're really just kind of playing for, you know, adding as many wins as you can in the final 20 games of the season. Excellent point as White Sox fans look ahead to 2016 when, like you said, a very dynamic potential one-two punch of Chris Sale and Carlos Rodon uh, could mean a turnaround for the White Sox uh, next season. And, Scott, just to wrap up here, Rodon only 22. All the talent in the world, we've seen that uh, in spades. Given his age and the expectations set for him prior to this year, how would you grade his rookie season? I think it's been a real good rookie season because of the fact that he's very strong, because of the fact that he's kind of 
kind of learned on the fly. You know, he had some rough moments there, and you know, I, I wasn't, I was off the day Robin said this, but I saw quotes where he talked about that. You know, Carlos took it pretty hard when he was struggling. There were a couple of games where he got hit hard. I was at a game actually where Matt Holiday hit a grand slam off him. You know, and I think he had like seven runs in three innings. And there was one game where Robin pulled him pretty quick because he wasn't attacking the zone. And since then, he's been great. He's been, you know, literally with Chris struggling a little bit the last couple starts. I'd say he's been as good as any starter they've had over the last, you know, last month or so. And the key thing for him, like all young pitchers, it's, it sounds, you know, pretty simple, but it's true. Attacking the zone and allowing his stuff to, to go for that. That's kind of wrapping up the thing you hear from people is that his constitution is tremendous. You know, he's just an, a, a tremendous competitor. But you talk to guys who face him, you talk to scouts who watch him, you talk to Tyler Flower who catches him, and his stuff is just, you know, top of the line. So I think you put all that together with the experience he gained this year and what he learned this year, and you're looking at, you know, another kind of a one and one a with Chris Sale for the foreseeable future. No question. A sky is the limit with uh, Mr. Rodon again, just 22 years young. Always a pleasure, Scott. White Sox reporter Scott Merkin joining us. We'll do it again next week. Thanks a bunch. Okay, Matt. Sounds good. Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.